On today's podcast, we're going to discuss my book, Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires. We'll talk about how I wrote it, why I wrote it, and why you should read it. Simply incredible. Welcome to Podcasting Nubia. I'm your host, Andre Samuels, and I'm the author of the book, Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires. And on today's episode, that's what we're going to be talking about. In the first three episodes, I've spent a lot of time teasing some of the information in the book. I realize that a lot of people are coming to this podcast uh, unfamiliar with the topic of African history. Some of you may have clicked on this podcast because it's Black History Month. Some of you may have a passing interest in the topic. So I wanted to give you a taste of what's out there, what's available, what's in my book. And so I hope you found some of that interesting. But in this episode, I want to tell you how I wrote the book and why I wrote the book and why I think it's important that everyone reads the book. Nubia was a project that came about Uh, almost out of necessity. I was a college student at uh, the University of Florida. Well, actually, let's go back. Uh, My interest in African history started when I was young, when I was a a student in fifth grade. I I can remember it uh, vividly. I was uh, in my social studies class, and we were studying Greek history. And uh, I was amazed at some of the architecture uh, of the Greeks. And I got it into my head that uh, I should flip around in the book and see what was written about black civilizations, about African kingdoms. You know, I wanted to know if um, if blacks had empires as incredible as the Greeks uh, or buildings as, as incredible as the Greeks or or anything as inventive as Greek logic. And so I started flipping through my social studies book and I did find something about African culture. It was a single page that covered both black civilization and Native American civilization. So on the front was a small blurb about Native American societies. And then on the back was a sort of hand drawing of Shaka Zulu uh, in the middle of some sort of war dance. And, uh, and that was it. And from that point on, I was determined to find something about black culture. And so every bookstore I could find, every library I could find, I would go and I would look and I would look and I would look and I would find very little. Um, And so that continued for a a very long time. Um, Eventually, I went to college, and and again, I I looked. But my school actually did not have any courses in African civilizations, 
we had African-American history, uh, but we didn't have anything that addressed the topic of African archaeology or African culture or African civilization. And so uh, as an engineering student at the time, I would look for academic sources on the topic of African civilization. And eventually I did find some. But I also found a lot of Afrocentric literature that wasn't in the academic circles. And that, for whatever reason, I gravitated towards uh, more. Probably because the books were shorter. (laughs) And probably because uh, they had grandiose titles. They were more interesting. And so I read those books for quite some time. And then I returned back to the academic sources. And what I realized was that I'd wasted a lot of time. Uh, A lot of the books that I read had a lot of inaccurate information. And a lot of the books that I read were focused on controversial topics. Uh, In history, you have those things that are settled. They're sort of confirmed, uh, accepted as provable facts. And then you have those issues that are unsettled. And a lot of the Afrocentric books that I read were focusing on the unsettled issues. And it made sense that they would focus on those things. Those are the sort of exciting topics. And so I realized after I read this one book in particular that was supposed to be about uh, famous black people in antiquity, uh, I read the book. And then uh, when I checked the book with my academic sources, I realized that half of the people in that book either weren't black or their blackness was a controversial topic. And so that bothered me because I realized that there were a lot of other young African Americans like myself reading these books, and the information in them was essentially useless for them. They can't write a, a report on that and submit it to their high school teacher because if they did they'll get torn apart and they'll fail the class they can't use those texts in college because again they'll get torn apart and they can't really use them in in casual conversation because if anyone around them has any sort of passing knowledge of history they'll also get torn apart because most of the information in them wasn't accepted as fact in the academic circles. Now, as I continued to read and study, I realized that those controversial issues weren't really all that important. I realized that if you just excised all of those controversial issues and you just relied on the things that are absolutely proven facts in history, that the story of African civilization is incredible, The achievements of African cultures are on par with any other culture in the world. The contributions that black civilizations made to history, to world history, are undeniable. And so I decided at that point that I would spend my time studying the academic sources. And maybe one day I'd write a book that brought together those sources and told the story of African civilization. And that is what Nubia is. Nubia, the rise and fall of African empires, is a compilation of all those sources. It took me over 12 years to write, 
And I only wrote it because I thought that I had something unique to contribute to the subject of African history. While I enjoyed reading all of my academic texts, I couldn't help but realize how boring they were. Uh, most people will never enjoy reading those books because the interest that most people have in history is in the exciting events, the battles, the, the armor that warriors wore, the, the architecture and the art. And those things are sort of treated as secondary by historians. When historians write, they are writing for other historians. They're writing for academic purposes. So the emphasis isn't on making it interesting. It isn't on making it exciting. It's on making it, the emphasis is on making it factual. And so the writing t is typically dry and, and boring. And African history in particular suffers because of that, that academic tendency, because that makes the subject unapproachable and uninteresting for a lot of people. I remember actually one book that I bought in particular that sort of brought me to that revelation. It was a very interesting book, cost me about $150, and the whole book is essentially the lineage of a particular royal family uh, in Africa. And it's an, it's an incredible book to keep in your collection, but if you actually wanted to understand that royal line, knowing the lineage of it, is is great for academic purposes but it doesn't give you a picture of life in that culture it doesn't give you uh, a mental image of what daily life would have been like or what that kingdom would have been like and so for me as a reader of academic texts that was that was incredibly interesting but for a mass audience for most people a book like that would have no value to them and it would actually discourage them from studying the topic further so I wanted Nubia to be a book that most people would enjoy, that would excite people about African history. And so I started trying to think of ways to do that. And it dawned on me that our African ancestors already had the answer. Uh, in West Africa, history is told as a story. It's told as a narrative. And I realized that there's an incredible wisdom in recording history in that way because it keeps alive the personalities and the personas of the people that you're talking about and so that's what I endeavored to do with Nubia the rise and fall of African empires in the book you'll find a collection of stories a collection of histories from African civilizations and those stories are used to give you a mental image of what life in those kingdoms and those empires was like. And that's important because the dominant image of African life and of African civilization is of primitive settings. And that's largely all propaganda, but it's powerful propaganda. And so you have to reimagine Africa. You have to reimagine the civilizations that were once there. And if you do, what you'll come away with is a totally new way of looking at African culture. Africa's empires were tremendous achievements. They were advanced in science and education. They were egalitarian. They were highly productive, incredibly wealthy, 
massive, and they were formidable. They fought some of history's most incredible armies. They proved themselves to be equal to any culture anywhere in the world. And my book, Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires, is designed to acquaint you with those cultural achievements. And when you finish reading it, I want you to walk away understanding that Africa was once a place of literacy and architecture and art, that its people created some of the most fascinating and accomplished cultures, and that they achieved all of these things without outside interference or contribution. The reality that Africa was filled with incredible cultures has actually never been denied. Um, some historians have tried, but the fact that there were tremendous trading kingdoms was something that was sort of impossible to deny because the people who wanted to deny it were trading with those kingdoms. What did happen, though, was this attempt to deny authorship. So there was an attempt to pretend that those cultures and those nations were created uh, by European interference and European influence. But that actually wasn't the first time that that was done. There was actually an earlier attempt to do the same thing by Arabs uh, in the Islamic empires, who also once claimed credit for the incredible Islamic civilizations that were at that time uh, economic powerhouses in the Islamic world. So Africa has suffered from an ongoing effort. So there are a couple of things that make Nubia, the rise and fall of African empires, unique. First is that it covers some of the most interesting aspects of African civilization and its history. Uh, from the title, The Rise and Fall of African Empires, you can kind of get an idea of what I was trying to do. I wanted to explain how these cultures came to be, what they were like at their pinnacle, and then what caused them to decline. Uh, because if you're going to make a claim that a lot of people aren't that familiar with, that Africa was filled with incredible empires that contributed to world history, you have a responsibility to explain what happened to those cultures. And so that was the focus of the book. And in doing that, I got to highlight some of the most spectacular events in the history of those cultures. I got to paint a new scenery for you of an Africa filled with incredible architecture and tremendous cities that was overflowing with wealth. And then I got to analyze the conditions that led to their collapse, which are more nuanced than I think a lot of people give credit for. In the first three episodes, I gave you some of the more exciting aspects of African history. I told you about Queen Amani Rhenus and Taharka, the greatest Nubian pharaoh. Those are just a few of the incredible leaders that once led African empires, and those were just a few times that they interacted with some of the most famous actors in history. One of the other things that makes Nubia, the rise and fall of African empires unique, is the sources that I chose to use. Um, Africa, you have to understand, was a nexus for international trade. Every group in the world traded in Africa. The Romans, uh, the Arab Islamic empires, the Chinese, everyone came to Africa. 
And so there are lots of sources, there are lots of testimonials, there are lots of people who visited Africa. And using their personal diaries gives you a first-hand account of what life was like in Africa, what a daily walk through an African city would have been like. Now, the first thing you have to understand when you use sources like that is that they are prone to bias. Uh, but in this case, I felt like their bias was an asset because these are not people who are going to want to praise African civilization unnecessarily. They're not going to say beautiful things out of some commitment to political correctness. In fact, every fiber of their being incentivizes them to denigrate African culture, if at all possible. And yet, these people were effusive in their praise of African civilization. And so I use them as hostile witnesses to the greatness of African civilization. And the entire goal of my book was to place Africa in its proper context and to discuss Africa's role in the world. African kingdoms played a pivotal role in many of history's greatest events and yet we rarely ever talk about that. So I wanted to place Africa in its proper global and historical context. I also wanted to clarify a lot of misunderstandings that people have about Africa and African cultures. I think it would be easy to look at certain civilizations in Africa uh, and praise them primarily because they are reminiscent of European cultures, right? Um, it's easy to look at the locations in Africa where the architecture is similar or where uh, it reminds us of, of European civilizations and praise those. But I felt like there was a need to clarify the role of tribes and their accomplishments Tribes are highly misunderstood. They are maligned as being impoverished or unsophisticated, and they are anything but those things. Tribes were once massive and incredibly accomplished, and so I dedicate an entire chapter to recontextualizing our understanding of tribal achievements. Another topic that I wanted to clarify was the role of Africans outside of Africa. I think there's a misunderstanding that Africans prior to slavery didn't travel outside of, of Africa, and that's anything but true. Uh, there were African empires with navies. Uh, there were African empires that conquered territory outside of Africa. And so I wanted to highlight those places, and I wanted to highlight the Africans that traveled outside of of Africa as merchants, as warriors, sometimes as slaves, and bring attention to them. Now the last thing I wanted to clarify was why it's important to study African history. It's interesting because I think African civilization is the only form of history where you actually have to explain why it's important to study history or African history. In all other forms of history, it's understood we are trying to learn from the mistakes of our past. We are trying to understand the achievements of our ancestors. 
and there's an implicit understanding of why that's important but when it comes to african civilization there is a desire and a tendency to want to sweep it under the rug or move on to another topic um, there's a feeling that bringing it up is bringing up irrelevant history and that's why contextualizing africa was so important because africa helped shape the modern world the rulers and the leaders that I write about in my book helped shape the modern world. And without understanding them or their contributions to it, you can't really understand how the modern world came into existence. For black people, I think it's pretty obvious that it's important that we see ourselves reflected in history. The movie uh, Black Panther actually just premiered. And everyone's talking about how important it is for young black people to see themselves in positive roles on the big screen and in movies. But I think it's just as important for young blacks to see themselves reflected in history, to understand that their ancestors accomplished incredible things, to understand that Africa was once a place where scholarship and education were hallmarks of the African identity. But I also think it's important for people who are not black to understand the achievements of African civilization. I think that mutual respect is built on understanding. I think that when we allow the notion that one group or another was solely responsible for creating the modern world, I think we're laying an intellectual foundation for the notion of bigotry and racism. As morally bankrupt as bigotry is it it's still rooted in a foundation of a false foundation and that foundation is the notion that people of color had less to do with forming the modern world with the innovations that that we celebrate today and i think that if we all took the time to understand how multicultural every aspect of our lives are I think that would breed a, a ground of respect and understanding that would make racism and bigotry impossible. And I think that with respect to all civilizations, I think everyone should take the time to understand the incredible achievements of Native American culture. I think everyone should understand the contributions of the Chinese uh, and of the Muslims to the foundation of Western civilization. And I think we should reconcile the role that the West has played in spreading innovation and advancement as well. This world was made by all of us. And when we understand that, I think that bigotry becomes even more irrational than it already is. And so that's why I wrote Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires. I wrote it to make African history exciting and accessible, and I wrote it because I think we can all benefit from understanding the achievements of African civilization. Now I think the last thing that makes it incredibly unique is that the book itself is not simply about African cultures. I think if I wrote a book that only talked about black culture, I would be reversing the bigotry and the way that we write about history today for the benefit of black culture. What I did instead was to write a book that covers a multitude of cultures. If you buy Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires, you will learn about African civilization, but you'll learn about 
many other cultures and civilizations. You'll learn about the developments of Western Christianity. You'll learn about the Dark Ages and the advancement of European civilization. You'll learn about the rise of Islamic empires. You'll learn about the rise of Chinese dynasties. You'll learn about history from a global perspective. And the reason for that is because then that will inform your understanding of African civilization and the role that Africa was playing amongst all of those cultures. So I think that's a fairly unique way of writing about history. And I think that if you purchase this book on Amazon.com, you'll develop a greater appreciation of all cultures, including African civilization. So that is The Hard Sell. Nubia, The Rise and Fall of African Empires is available on Amazon.com. I hope you'll take the time to purchase it and give it to your friends, your family members, read it to your children. I hope that your kids will be able to write book reports on it and share it with their classmates. And I hope that you'll continue to tune into this podcast every week. I'll be discussing a different aspect of African civilization, and I'll be connecting it to the modern world. My name is Andre Samuels, and thank you for listening to Podcasting Nubia. Simply incredible.